Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Respond to that pretty quick. I want to talk to you about almost. Say almost. A-L-M-O-S-T. Acts chapter 25 and uh, verse number 2 says, The high priest and the top leaders of the Jews approached Festus, the governor of Caesarea, and renewed their vendetta against Paul. I want to talk to you today about Paul's testimony to King Agrippa and about King Agrippa's uh, response to it. King Herod Agrippa II and his wife Bernice, who was visiting Caesarea to welcome Festus to his new post as the governor, was informed by Festus, the new governor, about this man Paul he had in prison and explaining the dilemma that he was up against, wanting to please the Jews. Agrippa said, I'd like to see this man and hear his story. Good, said Festus. We'll bring him in first thing in the morning, and you'll hear it for yourself. Acts chapter 26, verse 1, message translation. Agrippa spoke directly to Paul. Go ahead, tell us about yourself. Paul took the stand and told his story. I can't think of anyone, King Agrippa, get this. I can't think of anyone, King Agrippa, before whom I'd rather be answering all these Jewish accusations than you. Knowing how well you are acquainted with Jewish ways and all our family quarrels. From the time of my youth, my life has been lived among my own people in Jerusalem, particularly every Jew in town who watched me grow up. And if they were willing to stick their necks out, they'd tell you in person, knows that I lived as a strict Pharisee, the most demanding branch of our religion. It's because I believed it, I took it seriously, committed myself, heart and soul, to what God promised my ancestors, the identical hope, mind you, that the 12 tribes have lived for night and day all these centuries. It's because I have held on to this tested and tried hope that I'm being called on the carpet by the Jews. They should be the ones standing trial here, not me. For the life of me, I can't see why it's a criminal offense to believe that God raises the dead. I admit that I didn't always hold to this position. For a time, I thought it was my duty to oppose this Jesus of Nazareth with all my might. Backed with the full authority of the high priest, I threw these believers, I had no idea they were God's people, into the Jerusalem jail right and left, and whenever it came to a vote, I voted for their execution. I stormed through their meeting places, bullying them into cursing Jesus, a one-man terror obsessed with obliterating these people. And then I started on the towns outside of Jerusalem. On my way to Damascus, armed as always with papers from the high priest authorizing my action, right in the middle of the day, a blaze of light, light outshining the sun poured out of the sky on me and my companions. Oh, King, it was so bright. We fell flat on our faces. Then I heard a voice in Hebrew, Saul, Saul, why are you out to get me? Why persecutest thou me? Why do you insist on going against the grain? I said, who are you, master? 
The voice answered, I'm Jesus, the one you're hunting down like an animal. But now up on your feet, I have a job for you. I've handpicked you to be a servant and witness to what's happening today and to what I am going to show you. I'm sending you off to open the eyes of the outsiders so they can see the difference between dark and light and choose light. See the difference between Satan and God and choose God. I'm sending you off to present my offer of sins forgiven and a place in the family of God, inviting them into the company of those who began real living by believing in me. What could I do, King Agrippa? I couldn't just walk away from a vision like that. I became an obedient believer on the spot. I started preaching this life change, this radical turn to God and everything it meant in everyday life right there in Damascus. Went on to Jerusalem and the surrounding countryside and from there to the whole world. It's because of this whole world dimension that the Jews grabbed me in the temple that day and tried to kill me. They want to keep God for themselves. But God has stood by me just as he promised and I'm standing here saying what I've been saying to anyone whether king or child or anyone who will listen. And everything I'm saying is completely in line with what the prophets and Moses said would happen. One, the Messiah must die. Two, raised from the dead. He would be the first rays of God's daylight shining on people far and near, people both godless and God-fearing. That was too much for Festus. He interrupted with a shout, Paul, you're nuts. You're crazy. You've read too many books. Spend too much time staring into space. Get a grip on yourself. Get back in the real world. But Paul stood his ground. With all respect, Festus, your honor, I am not crazy. I'm both accurate and sane in what I'm saying. Listen to this, verse 26. The king Agrippa knows what I'm talking about. I'm sure that nothing of what I've said sounds crazy to him. He's known all about it for a long time. You must realize that this wasn't done behind the scenes. In verse 27, King Agrippa, put that up on the screen for me. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know you believe. We're talking about Agrippa. How many of you remember this story about King Agrippa? Raise your hand if you're real high. Wave it around. You know the story about King Agrippa. You know the story about Paul's testimony, right? Agrippa, I know you believe. Get a grip on that. Agrippa. <laughs> then Agrippa said to Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. Say almost. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, King Agrippa, but also everyone who hears me this day were almost and altogether such as I except this prison jewelry. So my message today is entitled Almost. If you were to inquire most believers today and ask them, do you believe that King Agrippa ever became a Christian? Most people would probably answer that and say, no. 
fact, I promise you when people hear this podcast, it's going to be interesting. I might get a phone call or two. Most people would say no. Because he said, almost persuadest me to be a Christian. See, Agrippa was born in A.D. 27, and he died in A.D. 100. That makes him a little younger than me. (laughs) 73, that's him, just a kid. He was approximately 33 years old when he heard the personal complete testimony of Paul, the old, old story of Jesus and his love. And if that be the case, then Agrippa had close to 40 years to reconsider his persuasion. I think it's highly possible that when Paul heard Agrippa declare that almost he was persuaded to be a Christian, I believe that Paul declared my testimony was not almost complete. My testimony was complete. It was a seed, well stated, My testimony was a seed well planted. And possibly that's why he declared as he went on in Acts chapter 26 and verse 29 where he said, I would to God that not only you, Agrippa, but also all that hear me this day were almost and also altogether such as I. Paul accomplished what needed to be accomplished in his complete testimony. His testimony was not an almost but it was a complete mission. Hmm. Paul took courage in the fact that almost was an optimistic conclusion, not a negative. We live in a negative world a lot. But most of us today live in a positive world. We reject the negative. I do. If it's not good, lovely, virtue, good report, good praise, I don't mess with it. But it is good, lovely, good report. Somebody said you're the eternal optimist. Well, that's good. King Agrippa concluded with the statement, almost, meaning that there's more to this story than that which meets the eye. So almost is not always a bad thing. Sometimes almost is a good thing. (laughs) And so my question to you today is about your life, and I'm going to ask you this. Is your almost... A work in progress? Or is your almost a declaration of procrastination and denial? Well, I almost did that. Or I'm almost there. Well, I almost, I thought about that once. Oh, but I'm getting there. You see, this walk in Jesus is a continual walk of progress. Somebody wrote a song and said, God's still working on me. To make me, (laughs) that's right, your timing was off, but your words were correct. (laughs) Now look it, 
If there's anything the enemy wants to do, he wants to get you discouraged in your walk. He wants you to get to a point where you don't think you can make it. Where you don't think you measure up. I don't think I'm quite good enough. But I'm here to tell you that you're on a path of a work in progress. Almost is not a negative. Boy, I'll tell you what, if you think that you have arrived, you are in trouble. Because the Bible says, let him that standeth take heed lest he fall. So just about the time you think you're the cat's pants, you end up being the cat's socks or whatever else is down there. Because you get arrogant, you get prideful, and you forget to confess your faults. And you, confess to, you, you forget to confess your sins. You forget to study and pray and worship and, and, and be busy about all the things in your life. you got to be real careful that your almost is not a declaration of procrastination and denial rather than a work in progress. I've got a ways to go. And my wife said, amen. You know what I'm talking about? And, and look at just about the time you take some hero of the faith and you put them up here and you think, well, boy, look at them. They're so perfect, aren't they? And then all of a sudden, wham, you say, what happened? Well, guess what? He stumbled, he fell, picked himself back up again, and down the road he goes again because we're almost, we're a work in progress. And so almost can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. Almost, according to Webster, means nearly. Just slightly short of or not quite accomplished. King Agrippa's history of his reign was not a pretty picture. He, was, he, he could be a really nasty guy. In the end, Agrippa's kingdom and the entire Jewish commonwealth were destroyed by the Roman Empire in about 70 A.D., and the war closed with the capture of Jerusalem. And Agrippa then retired to Rome, where at length he died at the age of 73, which gave him another full 30 years after retiring at age 43 to reconsider his almost. It's possible that in the last 30 years of his life, Agrippa got a grip on things, on reality, and was able to change his almost persuaded to, I am fully persuaded, like Paul, almost, and altogether declaring, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So I ask you to raise your hand. Do you think Agrippa ever gave his life to Christ? I think so. Well, the Bible doesn't address that issue. But the Bible also doesn't say he died and went to hell. It does say he was almost persuaded. And for the last 30 years after retirement, maybe the Holy Spirit got a busy with him. You see, sometimes you give up on people. Don't ever give up on people. Don't ever give up on people. 
Josephus didn't write about it. You can read all the historian books that you want to find. I've read as many as I could get my hands on. I couldn't find anywhere where the Bible says, or Josephus said, or historian said, well, guess what? Agrippa denied God all the way to the grave. The Bible doesn't say. But it does say in Isaiah chapter 55 and 11, So shall my word go that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Is there a new name written down in glory? I think so. Just a thought. Now, every one of us have a compilation of six major areas in our life that we need to ask ourselves this question. Are these areas of my life full of mission accomplished? If not completely accomplished, am I working on it? Are these areas in my life almost complete? Or are these six areas in my life full of almost and incompletes and I could not give a rip? There's a difference. So what are these six areas? Ask yourself these questions. You might want to write them down. And when you, add, when you talk about these six areas, you might want to ask your spouse their feeling about it. Or you might want to ask your significant other or your best friend. Wouldn't hurt to ask your pastor how he evaluates where you're at on these six issues. But ask yourself this question. Am I totally successful in these areas? Am I almost there? Am I gaining ground? Is it looking better today than it was yesterday? Is where I'm headed a good thing? Am I getting there? Am I gaining? <laughs> am I, or am I taking two steps forward and one step back? Which is a good thing. When you're taking three steps forward and one back, that's good. But when you don't give a rip, that ain't so good. Could somebody say almost? So ask yourself these questions. Am I totally successful? Or could I care less? So. The first area that I want to talk about is your physical development. Almost. Oh, you know, I eat right. Well, I had four Big Macs yesterday. <laughs> and I always order extra fries. And the news commentator said on the newscast the other day, said, guess what? You don't even have to use Ketchup on McDonald's French fries, they're that good. I thought, yep, it'll kill you, but they're sure good. Eat right? Do you sleep the proper amount? How about your workout? Say, oh, yeah, I'm into that. I bought a treadmill once. <laughs> you want to buy one? <laughs> oh, yeah. See, these are six areas in your life that if you take these six areas and work on them, and almost, I'm getting there, and I'm gaining every day, every day. I'm getting better and getting better at that. You'd be surprised at how your life will change and how things about you will be happy rather than depressed and oppressed and all of those things. 
your physical development. So yeah, we joined a health club. You better believe we joined it. The whole family joined. One of these days we're going to start trying it, see how it works. We've only been in it three years. We've never been there once, but almost. It's quiet in here. I know you're supposed to walk 20 minutes. If we just get pastor to preach 20 minutes, we'd be happy. <laughs> almost. Or can you say the other side of it, you know? Sometimes I don't eat right, but most of the time I try. Sometimes I don't work out, but I sometimes I almost am persuaded. I'm almost there. I'm getting there. Doesn't it feel good to do something with your physical body? But you might want to ask Chuck and Melissa some questions about that. Rather than, yeah, if you want a treadmill, I'll sell it to you. Or, in fact, if you just haul it off, I'd appreciate it. How about your social development, number two? Yeah, we had friends once. We had somebody come over. We invited them over for Sunday dinner to our house. They all came, and guess what? Their kid broke mom's favorite dish. Almost. We like to have a social life. Tried bowling with them, but they got so drunk. <laughs> Good point. I almost have a social life, but we'd just rather be by ourselves. Develop ministry through social life. How about your mental development? Yeah, I read a book once. Well, let me take that back. I guess I read the first and the last chapter. You know how it is. You get those books online. You listen to them. You listen to the first three or four, maybe one minute or two, and then you go to the next one. Mental development. Skill development. Well, I thought about completing my GED, but it's only a piece of paper. Almost, thou persuadest me. Yeah, I went to college. i working on an associate's degree. Yeah, I still got about seven more credits to get. I don't know. Or you can take a look at, yeah, I, 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 I've decided I'm going to be a nurse. Not me, but... Melody Donovan, I watched her sweat, blood, and tears, almost. I'm almost a nurse. I'm almost a nurse. I said, I heard a lot of people say, yeah, you'll be lucky if you'd be a panhandler. You know what I'm saying? I'm almost a nurse. Huh? Next thing I know, she's mar marching down the aisle with a white hat on her head and a little sachet. <laughs> you see, what is your almost? Don't be so hard on yourself if you're not measuring up to all your physical expectation. But if you're almost, if you're on the progress route, you're gaining ground. Let your almost be a positive, not a negative. Well, I know what you're talking about. 
spiritual development. Well, where's your almost in that? Well, I hear him talk all the time about commitment according to the scriptures. I can sum it up in an easy one-liner. Sometimes spiritual development gets in the way of things I want to do. And it gets in the way of how I choose to do them. After all, you only go around once. Before you know it, the kids are up and gone. They grow up so stinking fast. Well, you better turn your almost into the positive instead of the negative on your spiritual growth thing. If you train up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, you not depart from it. You just go right ahead and keep on training him the way he shouldn't go, and guess what? He won't depart from that either. What's your almost? Your spiritual life. Yeah. How about your financial development? Yeah, I know what's in your wallet. I know what the Bible says. The Bible says that the borrower is a slave to the lender. I heard that. God's biblical perspective of handling of money produces financial freedom and supernatural blessings. Well, I think I'm doing it okay without those guidelines. I agree good stewardship is important. I almost do that. Spiritual development, family development. Yeah, I almost got in the habit of a date night once a week. Didn't get me anywhere. So, roses, I don't know. I can buy snuff, three cans for the price of a half a dozen roses. That slipped. I took my family on a vacation once. I decided to cut it short and head back early. It was a seven-day vacation. We got back in two days. Almost thou persuadest me to take a vacation. Or what about the other one? I got a, one of the police officers, one of our, uh, uh, what would he be? It would be an investigator in the police department, great friend of mine. He's a great artist, man. He's a wonderful guy. And he tells me, well, this year I'm going to Italy. Well, next year I'm going to Spain. Well, next year I'm going to Rome. Well, next year I'm, I'm going like, wow. And then he said, next year I'm going to somewhere. I don't remember what it was, some crazy place. And I thought to myself when I was writing this message in my sleep, I thought, you know what? He's almost there means he's in the positive direction. He's saving up the money. He's working toward it. He's not there yet, but he's almost there. I think almost is important. So that's just a few quick lists. <laughs> is your almost a pronunciation of procrastination and denial, or is your almost an honest path of forward effort? You might want to make your own list. Ask yourself, am I almost persuaded or am I fully persuaded that which I'm involved in is going to go forward? Paul Meyer once said this, when you set goals for yourself, they work two ways. You work on them and they work on you. And that brings me to my message for today. Are you ready for a good sermon? Say amen. <laughs> almost thou fibbest not. Okay, let's go up here real quick. 
Mark chapter 12, verse 28. This is where Brandon said I'm supposed to preach today, and this is where I got this sermon. One of the religious scholars came up hearing the lively exchanges of questions and answers and seeing how sharp Jesus was in his answers, and he put in this question, which is most important of all the commandments? And Jesus said the first is importance is, listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one. So love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence, heart, soul, mind, and energy. And there's a second. Love others as you love yourself. There's no other commandment that ranks with these. Interesting. The religious scholar said, a wonderful answer, teacher, so lucid and accurate. That God is one and there's no other and loving him with all passion and intelligence and energy and loving others as well as you love yourself. Why, that's better than all offerings and sacrifices put together. When Jesus realized how insightful he was, he said, you're almost there. You're right on the border of God's kingdom. Hmm. Ryan? And so Jesus clearly declares that there are two areas in which when you say, yeah, I know what you're talking about, the negative almost, I don't give a rip, that's not enough. We need a, I'm doing that. I'm trying. I'm almost, I've almost got all these areas covered I've almost got my life into a position where I'm loving the Lord God with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my mind. I'm almost there. I'm here to tell you, keep up the good work. Keep working on it. Keep asking God to help you. Keep asking God to change you. Well, when I stumble and when I fall, I lay before the Lord and I cry. I say, Lord, I'm almost there when I get lethargic and when I get to a point where loving God first with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength becomes secondary. I could say I'm getting old. Yeah. I could say it's different than it was in the past. I could say what that's not the way we used to do it. I could say I can hardly keep up, but I refuse. I say almost. I'm serving God till the day I die with every ounce of energy in me, with every breath I breathe, with every word I say, with every action I take. I have decided I'm almost there, but I am almost persuaded and I'm never going to give up. You see the difference? But the devil would like to take you down 14.7 notches and tell you that you're worthless and you're no good and that the world is going on without you and all it is. You understand what I'm saying here today? We need to learn something that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from that unrighteous thing, put you back on your feet, wipe you off, get the smelly stuff off of you and move you on into victory. Hallelujah. Almost, almost. 
is a good thing. We need a, I'm always almost there. I'm working hard at it. I am almost at a point where I am loving the Lord God with all my passion and with all my prayer, with all my strength, with all my energy, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. Almost, thou hast persuaded me. I'm almost there. I'm getting there every day. Then I have to say congratulations. I have good news for you. You almost got her done. That's a good place to start. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 40 says, So let us search and try our ways and turn again. Let us search and try our ways and turn again. Have you backed off a little bit in your relationship with God? Have you let your ministry get a little bit cold and indifferent? Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us become like the Apostle Paul who says in Romans 8.37, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height or depth or any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ my Lord. That's the way I want to live my life and I know that's the way you want to live your life. Like Paul said, and I'm fully persuaded that what he had promised, that which he's able to begun in my life, he's able to perform it. And let us make this our legacy that we will pass on to our offspring and to all those who come in contact with us. 2 Timothy 1.12 I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Said, yeah, I'm almost there. I felt so many times like a failure. I felt so many times like I've dropped the ball. I felt so many times like everything else is going on without me. But this morning, I'm going to change my outlook. I'm going to see my failures and my weaknesses. That in my weaknesses, that's when I'm the strongest. Almost. I've got a goal set. I've got my eyes on the prize. Nothing is going to hinder me. I'm accomplishing that which God has called me to accomplish. Church, I'm going to pray for you today. I don't want you to pray right now. I want you to listen as I pray God's blessing on you. I want you to accept this blessing as I pray. Heavenly Father, today I bring this congregation its entirety to you. And Lord, I bring our lives to you in every of six different partitions of our life, Lord, in our finances, in our spiritual law, in our mental, our social, our family. And all of these things, Lord, I just pray that you will encourage and lift up each one of us to be all that we can be. And then we can move forward in the grace of God. Lord, that we can share our testimonies 
Lord, I ask that this congregation will share their testimonies with people all around about them so that they can bring people out of darkness into marvelous light. Father, I pray that they will shed their love to their neighbors. And I pray that as we worship God, we will also reach out to those around about us in such a way as never before that people would look upon these people in this congregation and say, there's something different about that person. I can't put my finger on it, but I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. And God, I just pray your blessings would overtake them. They're rising up and they're setting down. They're coming in. They're going out. And all that they put their hands to do will prosper. Lord, I ask your double prosperity double prosperity upon our businesses that are represented in this church. God, I ask that these businessmen will see so much increase and so much absence of confusion that there will be peace in their businesses. And the enemies come in against them one way would be dispensed seven ways. And that there would be peace among the workers that they have hired and the customers that come in. That these businessmen can rejoice in your goodness every day and say, this business belongs to God. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.